Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. And hello, world. Welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, where two real-life sisters discuss the lives of fictional brothers, family style. Also, we are not experts, but let me reiterate, we are sisters. This might be the earliest we've ever recorded. Yeah, I think so. So, I have my tea. I just had pancakes. I'm ready to go. I have my water. I ate a biscuit. I'm ready to go. All right. Today, Hannah, we're talking all about homes. Homely places. Homely. (laughs) Homely. They may not be beautiful, but they are homely. (laughs) We have had many a home in our lives. Yeah, we've had quite a few. More early on. And now we finally settled down in Tennessee. I'm trying to count how many houses we've had. Two, four, five. Five off the top of my head? Five up to Tennessee, and then six would be... You, me, and mom in Hendersonville. Right. (laughs) Hannah, of all our childhood homes, so homes you lived in when you were 18 and younger, which one would you say has been your favorite? I'd have to go with the house in Maine. It's almost scary how you steal all my answers, (laughs) but go on. It was a split house, and so there was the lady with the hair that no one remembers but me. And then we had Brian that lived with our family, and there was the barn next to the house, and then there was that blizzard where we all holed up in the kitchen. It was a very, it was a farmhouse. It was uh, kind of converted into a more modern living situation. There was a huge barn out in back where I would practice pitching a baseball because I was in the boys minor league, or not minor league, baby league, little league? Little league. The one where kids play. That's little league. Okay. Whatever. It was minor leagues to me, <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> Super minor. <laughs> I feel like we never really went into the barn. I mean, I have memories of it, what it looks like inside, but I think we were not allowed to go play back there. And someone, it was a huge field surrounding our house. Hay bales, hay bales. The hay bales. <gasps> and they would cover them for winter and they'd be like these white marshmallows out in the field. And we would try and go climb them. And we would go all out, all the way out to where the forest began around the field. And when that, it wasn't a blizzard, it was an ice storm. Mm. Listeners even might remember the great ice storm of like 98, 99, where all of Maine was out, was without power for like a month. And I remember seeing the pine needles like covered in ice. And yeah, and we had a big circular driveway. I remember the car rolling into a ditch. I remember sledding off the cars when it snowed real mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. I also remember the one neighbor, not the not the lady with the hair that no one remembers but me. The it was a neighbor boy, and he and I were friends until I had like I got a stick 
and I like stuck it in a pond and got a bunch of leaves at the end of the stick and then I like waved it at him and then he didn't want to be my friend anymore. <laughs> you didn't respect his bubble, obviously. No, then he started being friends with uh, our brother, Zach, who was a couple years older than me. And I got my feelings hurt because he wanted to be, <laughs> want to be friends with the girl anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was a really great house. Lots of good childhood style memories. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were, we were straight up kids. It was a, like a magical country home. Yeah. And yeah, no, I think maybe there was an old lady who lived there before, but Brian definitely was the only one who lived in that little section of the house. She wasn't old. Yeah, I think you had a childhood, like, imaginary friend. <laughs> she smoked a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> and she had, like, a lot of curly hair, like, long curly. I swear. <laughs> she was really nice to me. And maybe she did exist, but then that's really creepy because there was just a person in the house. Was she renting from our parents? Because I think our parents would remember at that point. No, it was, it was like, um, it was like a little apartment on the side of our house. Um, the stairs went up and there was her, I never went in as far as I remember, but I would just like sit at the top of the stairs and she would smoke her cigarettes and just be nice to me. I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm just saying nobody remembers but you. <laughs> I'm crazy. Well, those, that was our favorite childhood home. I'm not sure how many childhood homes the Winchesters had that weren't... Motels. Motels and the Impala. But they had at least one. So let's talk about Season 1, Episode 9, Home. So before we get into this episode, there I'm going to pander to the audience, I guess, a little bit. There's a lot of horror movie references and Stephen King references in this episode. Hannah, mm. if you want to, I will put you in charge of all of those references and pointing them out and caring about them because horror is just not my forte. So people, it's there. If she talks about them, great. If not, they have been acknowledged. Yes. I Lots mean, of I Stephen mean, King. Most most of my horror knowledge is like underground movies. As far as, like, the classic horror movies, I haven't seen a lot of them. Well, you're just doing horror wrong, Hannah. Jeez. <laughs> God. And you call yourself a fan. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, I, I have a magazine of, like, the top 50 horror movies, and I've uh -huh. seen quite a few to, meh, meh, quite a few of them. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm going to gatekeep your <laughs> access to the horror community. All right, let's get on. Let's talk about, let's talk about... This bullshit here. Alright, the recap lets us know that mommy and daddy are coming home. Mm -hmm. We start out in Lawrence, Kansas. The mom is sentimental downstairs over photographs. Daughter is spooked about monsters in closets. Mom checks. It's all good in the hood. Mom puts the kid to bed, reassuring her that by locking the closet door with a chair and promising a happy home for her and her brother. Are you or are you not super jealous of that kid's, like, walk-in closet? Oh, yeah. No child should have a closet that big. It's not even <laughs> fair. They have like 10 things of clothes. This is like the one time I see her being a good mom. <laughs> Checking for uh, monsters. You're so right. She's a terrible uh, mom. All right. So she's back downstairs now that her daughter's laid down. She's unpacking stuff. And then she hears creepy tapping, pattering. And she's like, 
God, I hope it's not rats. <laughs> so she she checks down in the basement, and I'm, I'm glad that she has a flashlight because uh, mm-hmm. too many times in horror movies you see someone like, oh, the lights aren't working. I'm just going to feel around in the dark. <laughs> never, never, uh. never. <laughs> All right, so she checks out the basement, finding a memory box belonging to the Winchesters. While in the daughter's room, the chair by the closet moves itself off to the side. The closet doors then open. A fiery specter appears in the closet. Child screams. Cut to title shot. So, of course, you know, at first we're led to believe, well, assume, really, that it's their mom. Really? Well, I mean, she's down in the basement where there's Winchester photographs. Yeah. So, like, my first assumption is that it's their old house. Well, Hannah, how do we not know that this isn't a fire race? Um, that's a good point. Yeah, I, haha, uh-huh, yeah. But yes, we do know that it is Mary, which brings up the very good question of why is Mary scaring this baby? Yeah. What, what, what is she doing? Why, why is she scared a baby child? She's, she's such a bad mommy. Well, like, maybe the, the kid can only see good spirits. So, like, she can't see the evil thing. She can only see the mom trying to protect her and not, like, she can't understand that this fire is good. Right. So the the bad part, the scariest part, was when that chair started moving itself because that legit was freaky. And that was the poltergeist about to come out of the closet and strangle her with her clothes. And then Mary stepped up and said, no, I fire you, bitch. Yeah. Basically? Basically. All right. I'm glad we solved this one. Check. Done. On to the next. We're in a dream again, and we see a woman who's trapped in the upstairs of the house going, No, help me! Sam wakes up, and he's in the motel room. Later in the same motel room, he's doing that, I'm going to draw something from a dream over and over again so that the viewer knows this is supernatural. While Dean is digging for a case. Dean's getting... More and more frustrated with Sam's lack of focus, and he really gets irritated once Sam's like, oh, I know what this is, because he finally realizes that this generic tree he has been drawing is actually a picture from their, like, a picture of the tree from their old home in Kansas. Which, that picture isn't very clear, so I don't know how he was like, this is the same exact tree. Yeah, and even from picture to picture, the tree looked different every time, so... Anyways, Sam says there's a case there, and he doesn't want to give the details, and Dean is all like, no way, Jose, you tell me what this is, or I'm not going. So Sam cops to having prophetic dreams, finally admitting the secret that he gave to baby Mary, and oh boy, his emotions come gushing out. (laughs) Oh yeah, super emotional scene here. And it's kind of all too much for Dean. Uh, and apparently he swore, Dean swore, that he was never going to go back to Lawrence, Kansas. But he agrees to go with Sam. Um, a few things I have to say and or question about this little scene here. Dean, in listing off cases, he mentions a vanishing of the entire crew of a fishing boat out in Cali. And there was one IMDb user who suggested that this could be a possible Benny reference because he was a vampire. But I couldn't find any information that would link him or his former crew with California waters. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I saw mostly East Coast 
Gulf of Mexico locations. Yeah, and also it's season one. They haven't thought that far ahead. Yeah, exactly. And also, uh, I double-checked time as best I could, and apparently Benny was in purgatory for 50 years by the time Dean got there. And I can't remember if purgatory is at a one-to-one ratio with Earth time, but yeah, I just find it unlikely that Benny is on this plane of existence at this time. (laughs) Well, I mean, you have to consider, what is it, two months? Earth time is 40 years? Hell time? That's hell, though. I know, but I would figure that purgatory would be on an off-kilter time scale in the same way, maybe not exact. But Dean felt like, and he had Cass, I guess, and Cass would be better at timekeeping than Dean, but they were in purgatory for a year, right? Yeah, yeah. And how much time did Sam have with, oh shit, what's her name? Amelia. Uh, uh, Amelia. I was like, Annette? No. Wasn't he with Amelia for about a year? Yeah, so maybe it is one-to-one. I, I think know. it might be one-to-one. So Benny, at this point in time, as they are in this motel room discussing this crew, not discussing, as Dean is finding out about this crew that has gone missing, Benny is currently in purgatory, fighting to survive. Could be his old crew. That's what I was thinking. If it is a vampire situation, it might be his old crew or a different set of vampires. I just like I the word vampire. You- <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you said vampire. <sighs> yeah. Um, finally, it, yeah? No, you go on. Oh, I'm changing the subject a little bit. Oh, well, I was just going to say, in this scene, uh, Sam was like, you're just going to have to trust me. And I just wanted to say that, you know, trusting isn't their strongest suit. It's also hard to trust somebody when you know they're not giving you all the information. It's like yeah. saying, I'm actively lying to you, but I'm going to need you to trust me despite that. <laughs> yeah. Very hard to do. I also found it... A little weird that Dean said, I swore I would never go back there. I don't understand why I don't like this, and I'm hoping that maybe you could help me understand and bring some clarity to this, but that just didn't ring true to me. Yeah, it, it feels forced. It, it, it seems odd. If it were something he would have to do, mm-hmm. and he chooses not to, then that would be one thing, but... Until now, we're led to believe that they never went back there after they took off. So for him to swear to never go back there when it's a non-issue... Like, it almost sounds like he was forced to go back there several times in his childhood. And that would kind of make sense, because if you're trying to investigate your wife's death, would you not go back to the scene of the crime more than a few times to try and get information and gather clues? I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, I agree with you. It it did feel off. Yeah, I just can't quite put my finger on... Why? Why? So they pull up in the Impala in front of their old house, and they just go a-knocking. Dean tries the fake ID route, but is quickly cut off by honest, eager Sam. I like him. He's not a liar. The mom invites them in because, of course, why not? As though these two grown men look anything like those baby photos she found yesterday. They enter the kitchen-slash-open-area space, which is... it's a. It's, it's a kitchen dining room, Kendall. It's a kitchen dining room. But then it leads into the third room. Fine. Where her two children are. Daughter Sari colors at the table and son Richie is jumping in his cage asking for juice. Juice, 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 juice. When Dean asks the general get-to-know-you questions, she gets real personal real quick with the emotional fresh start and awkward sad pauses. 
They ask how she likes the place, and she lists all the ways the house is falling apart, and the boys just hear all the spooky signs. Sari then asks them about monsters in closets, saying she saw someone on fire. And they she, she just lets these random guys into her home. Mm-hmm. Sam uses his soft voice. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, hitting all the nails on the head, supernatural-wise. Mysterious sounds, things moving, pipes breaking, monsters in closet, you know, all the typical signs. And I feel like this woman either hasn't had a human adult to talk to in a long time, or she's just a really bad conversationalist, because she just vents it all out. Earlier, when she's unpacking and she sees the photo of her and her husband... I get the impression that he passed away. Yes, he definitely passed away. I don't think it was just an issue of divorce. I feel like he passed away, and and that's why she's... Because, of course, you know, divorce is emotional, but I feel like she was looking at that photo with love and longing and melancholy, so I feel like he passed away. Yes, I, I agree with you there. And, and that would explain her awkward... <laughs> Just venting to strangers. Okay, but I think it has been enough time since her husband passed to pack up and sell your old home and move to a new home and a new place. It doesn't make sense that she invites strangers in and then is like, I just, I needed a fresh start. Um, I'm hoping to find a job soon. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, I very much disagreed with all of this. The actress, though, who plays Jenny, Kristen Richardson, she's actually from Kansas, originally. Oh, nice. So they found an actual Kansanite to a Can- Kansasian? Kansas. Kansasian. Kansasian. Yeah, they got a real Kansasian to come play. That's nice. So after she hit all the proverbial nails on all of their proverbial heads, we cut to the boys pretty much just storming out of the house and a complete tizzy, because holy shit, their childhood house is haunted. Sam is freaking the fuck out, because, oh my god, is this what killed mom and Jess? Oh my god, has it been there the whole time? Oh my god, let's get these people out. Oh my god, oh my god. So, Dean takes Sam to a gas station to calm down and refocus, because that's where I go to chill out. I, I feel like this is a very, like, besides the very first episode, I feel like this is pivotal in plot gas stations no not gas stations this episode (laughs) that's what i was talking about that apparently gas stations are a great chill zone yeah i mean gas station yeah (laughs) i mean i just mean the house the photos the fire sam's dreams Ah, it's beginning it's all beginning there there's a line about that a little bit yeah so they have a case but this time They're the former victims that need to be interviewed. This time it's personal. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam questions Dean about that night when their mom got flambéed. He never knew that Dean carried him out. How how in the world? Do they really do so little talking on this subject that their whole lives, their whole lives he never knew that Dean carried him out? Well, also his whole life, he never knew how Dean felt about their mom's death until dead in the water. So, yeah, they apparently never talked about Mary. Completely taboo. Yeah, the reoccurring theme of miscommunication and not talking. Brother, you lied. When in doubt, don't talk about it. 
I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna push all these emotions down and then one day I'll die. <laughs> they make plans to go and question everybody that their parents knew or oh, were in oh. the neighborhood at this hey. time. Hey, uh huh. Dean didn't see anything. <sighs> okay, if Dean didn't see anything, then why did he swear he was never coming back to Lawrence? Huh? Huh? Well, in his recollection to Sam, he was like, I remember the fire, the heat, and then Dad handed you to me and I carried you out the front door. He didn't see her. <sighs> he didn't see her. Okay, he did not see her physical... Why are we doing this again? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm right. Okay, if you were outside of a burning building and you knew that I was inside dying and there was nothing you could do to come save me... I wouldn't go around telling people I saw you die. <laughs> What would you say then? My sister died in a fire. It was awful. I'm sad about it. Where were you, Hannah, when your sister died in the fire? I was right outside. What did you see, Hannah? I saw fire. And what did you know was happening inside that building? I knew she was burning alive. <laughs> but I didn't see it with my eyeballs. <sighs> I'm just saying, seeing it would have been worse. Oh my gosh. Okay. So they planned to question everybody that their parents knew or were in the neighborhood at that time, which means exactly one person, turns out. This job is super personal, and I, I got the feeling that Dean was thinking, I need to be strong for Sam. Mm -hmm. So he makes an excuse to go walk off, and he makes a call to their daddy, begging them for help, begging him for help. Oh, my heart. My heart. That scene where he... Oh. He's a great actor. Such a good actor. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't feeling it this episode, this time around, though. I don't know. You hush your mouth. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they have spent so much time building up Dean and his bravado, and then any time they put Dean in a situation to talk emotionally about this subject, he commits to it, and he does speak emotionally. And that kind of rings false, I guess. Starting with the whole, I swear He's I never... too good of an actor. <laughs> well, I think it's more a matter of writing. Like, the writers were like, yeah, you know how you've been super tough and, like, laugh things off? And every time, you know, you say, you feel this too, right? You laugh it off and say, oh, no, I never feel those feelings. I never feel feelings. Yeah. But in this episode, every time you are asked what feelings you feel, your response is, all of them. <laughs> Until it's time to walk off and be strong, and then you continue to feel all those feelings, but this time to your dad. I, I, don't, I don't know. It just it bothered me this time, and it's, it's stupid, and I, I shouldn't be bothered by it. But I guess I was outside of the episode, not just fully committed to experiencing the emotion of the episode. Mm. We never hear Jenny introduce herself. Do you notice that? Jenny does not get to name herself. The boys name her, and that makes me sad. Wow. I Nope, didn't notice. Uh-huh. And, again, we get the phone number thing, blah, 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 he lists the number, you actually call it, or used to, you could actually call it, and you would hear Jensen Ackles playing Dean, answering, or leaving a voicemail. Weirdly, on uh, on Netflix, the subtitles don't match the number that you hear, but the number that's listed in the subtitles is a 785 number, which is apparently a Kansas area code. I don't know. I did the IMD wiki <laughs> research and people cared. 
And yeah. I almost wish I hadn't read all of this trivia because they the trivia pointed out how sloppy the editing is in this whole talking by the car at the gas station, which is very chill. And so both times I watched this episode, I again, I was taken out of the scene because all I could see was Sam's over here. Now Sam's over there. Now Sam's over here. Now they're facing this way. Now they're at this part of the car. Now they're at that part of the car. <laughs> this whole scene was happened in an interdimensional landscape where there are six dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was hard. The only notes I have on the scene I'm about to read is I hate this scene with the plumber. Fuck that monkey and fuck sinks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so back at Jenny's house, she shows in a plumber at what seems to be nighttime. Is it winter again? WTF? Why are you having strange people in your house at any given time of the day? What enlightened society do you live in? I love your Kindle. <laughs> After assuring him everything is normal, just clogged, she leaves him to it. Toy Monkey starts going off on its own. He unplugs the garbage disposal, double checks that it's off before sticking his arm down there to get mangled. Also, all those trivia places I looked into, those great sources, they all say that he wouldn't have been this hurt. Hurt, sure, but, you know, losing a hand, probably not. But what do they know? They're just interwebs people. Well, I mean, think of it this way. If it were the garbage disposal on its own, like, say, you had accidentally turned it on on your hand, then, yes, I would think that it wouldn't do this much damage. But you have to think, it's not the garbage disposal on its own, it's being tampered with by supernatural forces. So what you're saying, Hannah, is it's supernatural. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, yes. But here again, we have our second example of Jenny being a terrible parent and just letting people into her home at times of day she shouldn't be letting them in. And we know this guy is sketch. Because even though he completely reassured himself that everything was off and he did his due diligence to make sure that his hand would not get hurted in this garbage disposal, he is still going to the law. and He's on the wrong side of the law. And yeah, <laughs> creepy toy monkey. Don't like it. Mm -mm. After this, we go to an auto repair shop. Sam and Dean are pretending to be cops, and they're questioning this guy that John used to own the auto repair shop with. We learn that John was stubborn, that he hated to lose but loved to play games, which, hello, poker, pool, mm-hmm, and that he doted on his wife and his kids. Yeah, I had down temper, competitive, loved his wife. Yep, pretty much. Temper, I would... I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. He definitely says stubborn. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote temper instead of stubborn. Well, because I do feel in the future when we see John, it's a lot of arguing scenes with his sons. Yeah. And so, and we, do we hear that Mary and John were fighting, like arguing at some point? Just in that one episode where Sam and Dean are traversing heaven and they come across Dean's memory when he was like three and he says something like, it was only perfect after she died. And John and Mary were arguing on the phone. Uh, which that's just, that's, that's normal. Oh my gosh. Although I guess I have to go back and watch and hear the argument and what it sounded like. But anyways, I can, I can see how 
we can, I don't know accurately, but we can make the assumption that he had a temper because from here on out, we have a lot of examples of him being combative, you know? Yes. And we also learned that he started to see a poem reader. So Sam consults the Yellow Pages. Now, young listeners, let me put on my (laughs) reading glasses. The Yellow Pages are what people used to call these huge books where the pages in which were super thin, yellow, and filled with every business in town according to industry type listed alphabetically. So if you wanted to find a palm reader, you might look under P for palm. It's also where Jenny probably looked to find plumber. It's basically ancient Google. I, I think you would look up uh, P for psychic. Oh, yeah, that too. I couldn't think of the name for it. <laughs> I was like, palm reader, yeah, duh. What else? <laughs> but P was a very important page in the yes. section in the yellow pages. And if you had a really small town, you would have one combo book, and the white pages was where you found all the people in the town listed. And oh, yes, if you wanted to call your neighbor, you would just look up your neighbor's name <laughs> or just find the address that was next to you, <laughs> and you would see their phone number listed right there. Can you imagine just being able, in this day and age, just, I'm going to find a random person's phone number and just call them. <laughs> I'm going to go bother every John Irwin who lives in my area. (laughs) I once sent a text message to, it was a number. Okay, so my number ends in four. Mm -hmm. So I texted a sim, like the same number except ending in five. And I said, hello, I'm your text door neighbor. But I didn't (gasps) get a response. That is super cute. Oh, Oh my gosh, I want to try that now. <laughs> I'm your text door neighbor. That's so witty. I'm very proud of you. Well, hopefully you get a response. I didn't. But yeah, small places like that, you'd have the white pages in the front of the book and then the yellow pages in the back of the book. But if you live in a large place with many people, you have two separate books, one that is white and one that is yellow. So yeah, fun times. As Sam is scrolling down, or not scrolling, his finger is skimming down... <laughs> He's flipping through. He's flipping through these pages, listing off all the psychics and palm readers he could find. And Dean stops him when he hears the name Missouri Mosley. Because in, like, the first page of John's journal, he has yep. the name Missouri. And they thought he meant the state. I went to Missouri, but no. He meant a person. What a switch. I mean, I probably wouldn't have... But... I'm sure Dean has read that front to back multiple times, so. They have definitely perused this journal on many occasion. And I love, I love that in future seasons, because in the first couple seasons, they refer to John's journal a lot. It's probably their primary source for all things supernatural, <laughs> even though the Google, the Google is burgeoning at this time. <laughs> but in later seasons, when they pretty much never use it as a source in their cases from time to time you know even in the bunker from time to time you can still see the journal you know yeah it's it's subtle but it's there so we see the boys waiting nervously in a sitting room of a house as missouri walks out a client poor bastard his woman is cold banging the gardener and 
She turns around and she immediately impresses them by already knowing their names, yeah. acting as though she knew them from when they were kids, knowing about Jess's death and John is missing. And Sam is loving all of this because, one, she's really psychic and she's giving Dean a hard time. <laughs> They question her about their dad and what killed their mom, and she says all she knows is that it was evil. And Missouri says that she's been keeping an eye on the house and that nothing's been going on, so it's kind of weird that now you're coming to me with these reports, you know? <laughs> it did kind of bother me that she was fussing at Dean for just thinking about putting his feet on a coffee table, because I don't think we really ever see Dean putting his feet up, especially in somebody's house. That's... That's just not a thing he does. <laughs> I, I, it even made me start to think at the bunker when they have that huge center table, who do we see with their feet up the most? Because definitely Cass, definitely Sam, definitely Dean. But I feel I, I'm, I'm just saying it's equal across the board. <laughs> Nobody is a greater putter feet upper than the other. And also, Sam has great manners, right? Mm-hmm. Who raised Sam? Dean. Who taught Sam how to be respectful in the world? Dean. Who instilled Sam with a sense of respect for the people around him? Dean. So, so she's giving him shit just for thinking, oh, it'd be nice with my feet up right now. Boy, don't you dare. I wasn't going to. That is not <laughs> fair. That is not fair. And this is where Sam says the line of, all this happening at once, it feels like something's starting. And even though... This case is not related to the overarching story as a whole. Something is starting. Yes. Like you said earlier. Yes, definitely. I love I, I love Missouri mostly so much. Mm -hmm. I, I love the way she goes off on Dean, even undeservedly, <laughs> because of Sam. <laughs> First you see, you know, his little smirk when he's getting told off, and then this huge grin, like... <laughs> I wonder if Sam doesn't see people giving Dean shit a lot, which I feel like isn't true because like last episode we saw, was it Mr. Whitetree called Dean a liar and be like, I don't talk to liars. Yeah. And giving Dean shit there. <sighs> Why? And there was Sam just smirking. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Sam is just so used to people buying Dean's suave, charming, smooth talking. Yeah. That Sam knows isn't the real Dean. <laughs> Like, it's obviously a facet of Dean, but that's not the goofy, nerdy, dorky brother that he has. So to see other people not buying it, it almost feels like, oh, you know Dean like I do. <laughs> yeah. It's like an it's like a instant intimacy kind of thing for Sam, I think. Yeah. But it's not fair to Dean. <laughs> no, no. Fair point. So now, Jenny is pacing in the kitchen on the phone with Mr. Plummer's lawyer being sued for having a faulty garbage disposal. Which is bullshit! Yeah, 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 That's a work injury, so the company should cover it. She shouldn't be liable at all. When you're better lawyers than a TV show. <sighs> right? Am I right? Yes, almost always. She hears a ruckus upstairs, glass breaking, so she leaves Richie in his cage to go investigate. His cage and the fridge unlock themselves, and he goes to get his juice by climbing into the fridge, which closes and locks behind him. Jenny comes downstairs to find Richie missing. He doesn't answer when she calls for him, even though I'm sure he can hear her. Yeah, he should He should be like, Mommy! Mommy! But he's just chilling. 
Because he's got his juice, 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 juice. Yes. <laughs> luckily, within moments, she sees milk that is very luckily spilling out of the fridge and finds him. Seriously. I, I'm guessing Sari is in school right now, right? We have to assume that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Probably. But still, she has her child in a cage. <sighs> this is not good parenting. No. No. Just then, Sam and Ooh, Dean... Ooh, okay, hold on. Fine, tell me. I I will admit, though, she is still in the process of unpacking, and perhaps she doesn't have the house set up yet in a way that is safe for him to interact with. Even though she already has child locks on the fridge, maybe she doesn't want to risk him being free in an environment that is not yet set up, ideally for him Baby as proof. a toddler. Baby proof. Well, yeah, because kids should be able to interact with their environment. It's their home, too, but yeah. she still has things half in, half out of boxes. Okay, all right, I'm giving her a pass for the cage for this one. But I hope in a few weeks when we come back and visit her, never again, that we will see that Richie is out of his cage and is interacting with his home in a positive and engaging way. Okay. Also, no one would think to look in the fridge. No. No, you really wouldn't. And how did that milk even spill? I mean, he probably kicked it over, but there are Nothing. no shelves. There are no shelves in that fridge specifically so that he can crawl <laughs> in there. That's the only reason she doesn't have shelves in there was so that they can have this scene where he gets stuck in the fridge. <laughs> I I know I could put some more shelves in here, but doesn't it just look kind of cute that you could actually fit a small human child <laughs> into this fridge? I just I kind of like that aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> At any moment, you should be able to fit a small human child into it. These cabinets over here, I could have china in them, but I've left this huge space that a small human child could crawl into it because oh, it's just cute to think about small human children just stuck everywhere. I mean, honestly, honestly, I would have checked the lower cabinets. <laughs> but she doesn't. Yep. She just kind of like looks around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would have checked the cabinets. Under Kids the table. Get in there. Yeah, kids get into shit. Go to the door, check outside. Yeah. Yeah. Fridge is the last place you look, really. <laughs> I don't think I've ever checked the fridge for a missing person. No. I but haven't. you know what? From here on out, I will. That's gonna be the first place I look from now on. Wife, where are you? I'm gonna <laughs> check the fridge now. <laughs> is this fridge big enough to hold a person? Then someone's probably in there. <laughs> hey, you know what though? For all the times you see people stored in freezers in, like, murder mysteries, maybe we should be checking the fridges, frizzes, frizzes? The, the fridges frizzes. and freezers first. <laughs> fridges and freezers. Say fridges and freezers ten times fast. Go. Fridges and freezers. Fridges and freezers. Fridges and freezers. <laughs> fridges and freezers. Fridges and freezers. Fridges and freezers. Fuck it. Fridges and freezers, fridges and freezers, fridges and freezers, fridges and freezers, fridges and freezers. Fridgers! It's not easy. I give up. Just then, Sam and Dean arrive, Missouri in tow. They ask to see the house again. Jenny is clearly not in the mood and goes to shut the door. I don't understand your notes here, but I'm going to say it as is. Mm -hmm. Dean gets used by Missouri to put herself in a more sympathetic light so Jenny will listen to her about all the spooky shit happening in this house. So Dean goes to say something pretty innocuous, right? Like, Jenny, there's something going on. And she smacks him at the side of the head and said, boy, like, don't you see? 
And Dean gives this look of, what the fuck? And Sam gives a look of, what the fuck? Because Dean wasn't about to say anything that Missouri doesn't straight up say two seconds later, right? Well, yeah, but he was going to push it. And, like, she was like, hey, it's really not the time. And Dean was going to be like, oh, well, it'll only take a minute. Or no, 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 trying to convince her when she's already upset. So Missouri was like, shut up. Can't you see she's upset? But Dean was saying... I can't remember exactly what the phrase was, but it was something like, you don't understand, or something is happening, or this is important, along those lines. And Missouri does the thing of, oh, you shut up, don't listen to him, I understand what you're going through, and I, and now that we have a understanding of sympathy, let me tell you that there are evil spirits attacking your house. <laughs> like, yeah. I really enjoy Missouri Mosley. But I have some issues with the way she treats Dean. <laughs> I will say, just seconds before, we did see Jenny wondering aloud, maybe mommy's going crazier. We do have rats, you know. So she was wondering <laughs> if she was going crazy. So maybe that's why she does buy the, there are evil spirits in your house speech. Yeah. Because once again, she lets people into her house. Yeah. Yeah. The home is not sacred for Jenny. And, and not not just the two guys, but now there's an, they brought someone else. <laughs> Let's just have a slumber party. <laughs> They're back and they brought friends. Inside, Missouri is giving a dark energy tour. Dean gets called an amateur for using an EMF instead of his innate paranormal senses. I mean, that, that was a bit snide. Um... <laughs> She reveals this energy doesn't belong oh, also, to Also, you were supposed to read that with more sarcasm. Because, of course, date Dean doesn't have innate paranormal senses. <clears throat> Dean gets called an amateur for using his EMF instead of his innate paranormal senses. Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> she, <laughs> she reveals this energy doesn't belong to the thing that killed their mom, and that it's more than one spirit here, drawn to the evil remnants left behind by the yellow-eyed demon Azazel. This thing won't rest until Jenny and the kids are dead. Dean makes a very ambitious promise, no one is ever dying in this house again. And they set to stopping it. I mean, I'm not wrong, right? Oh, when they were at the door, Missouri was like, you're just gonna have to trust us a little bit. No, it's a lot. It's a lot of trust. It's, it's a super lot of trust. It's... So much trust. It's an unreasonable amount of trust to ever put into any stranger. When she steps into what used to be Sam's nursery, but is now Sari's room, she, her hand, like, hovers over the telephone for a minute, and I, I don't know why. She just kind of, like, hovers her hand. I'm like, you gonna call, you gonna call the Ghostbusters? Is that what you gonna do? Who you gonna call? Because Sari has been trading dirty, nasty, eight-year-old secrets with her new best friend at school. Gross. Yep. And how come she never says demon? Because it's not a demon? No, 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 no. When she's, when she's making reference to the thing that killed their mom, uh -huh. she never says demon. Does she know it's a demon? She would have to. Why? She's, she's been in contact with John. Does John know by this point? Fine. I, 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 no, I'm generally curious. I don't know. Does John know by this point? I would think that by opening the veil... You know, by letting John into the truth that she knows things like this exist. So I would think if she has felt its energy, I would think that she knows it's a demon. 
Well, there is a chance that maybe John knows and he hasn't shared it with Missouri. And she could read his mind. But she can read his mind. You're right. So, okay. Let's just say that Missouri knows their mother was killed by a demon. Is this the time or place to be discussing this with the boys? She may be. Yeah, she's definitely in cahoots with John because she doesn't tell Sam and Dean that he's there. So it mm-hmm. may be, even if John doesn't know that it's a demon, she's probably loyal to him in not telling Sam and Dean because she probably knows that John wouldn't want them to know. Right. So Missouri was supposed to continue on and be a greater part of the series. So I think that this was not the time or place to be like, oh, hey, I know we're here to try and save this family, but just so you know, here's some new information about your mother's death that you can now obsess over instead of doing this case here (laughs) in the present. And I think there was going to be an episode in the future where she reveals, oh, yeah, there was a demon there, and I've known for a long time now, and they go, what the fuck, Missouri? We trusted you. Why didn't you tell us? And they have, like, a falling out and then a making up scene later on. I would have liked it if they would have had more of her. I feel like she would have been a great ally early on when they had no one. Literally no one. Although, going back and watching this episode again... I love her no-nonsense, but I would have had issues with her anti-Dean behavior (laughs) (laughs) if they hadn't changed that with the quickness. Also, she's a proven liar in this episode. Oh, yeah. um, People don't come here for the truth. They come for good news. Yeah. And also the fact that she has known this entire time that their father is there and has been hiding that from him. In fact, I was wondering in this scene when she gives Dean shit for using an EMF like... A plebeian person with no supernatural powers. Maybe she is, like, still a little miffed at him for the way he reacted when he found out she was actually psychic and being like, So you know where our dad is, right? You're psychic. You can read things. Don't you know where my dad is? Because he's repressing his feelings, apparently, even though he's super emotional this episode. Yeah. And he got upset when she didn't know where their dad was. And there's also some feedback there where she does know where their dad is, but she's having to lie. But if she didn't know where he was, she still wouldn't be able to tell because she's not that kind of psychic. And and you still shouldn't talk to me like that, Dean. And so it ends up in this weird mishmash of feelings where she is just not feeling positively towards Dean in this episode. Yes. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Okay. Hey. Yes. Would you do me a favor? Well, of course. You're my siesta. Would you, would you, would you, would you, would you name that monster? <sighs> Missouri is very handy and she pins the tail on the donkey by naming this a poltergeist. So let's look into what that is. Poltergeist is German for noisy ghost, which is appropriate since things attributed to poltergeists are usually loud. And also, now you know two words in German, poltergeist. It is claimed that these poltergeists can move, levitate, and destroy objects. They can pinch, bite, hit, or trip people, and they can make noises like knocks on doors. But where do they come from? Well, survey says they either don't exist and are hoaxes or are the result of some perhaps unintended telekinesis. Or 
They are the evil, and I quote, manifestations of disembodied spirits of low level belonging to the sixth class of the third order. Basically, this means they are elemental sprites who are mad at you. What have you done lately to piss off your water sprite? <laughs> there are a couple ways to rid yourself of a poltergeist. One is a good old Christian exorcism. Or you can take the shamanistic approach and have the place cleansed via smudging. And that, Hannah, is our monster. Yay! Alright, so Missouri leads Dean in making positive hex bags to place in the walls, which I guess is a version of smudging. Seems a bit Wicca to me. Yeah. Like, definitely. That's totally Wicca. Alright, onward. Uh, she advises that they move fast because those spirits are smart and will cotton on quick. Jenny isn't comfortable leaving her new home alone with complete strangers, but nobody cares how Jenny feels. I wouldn't be comfortable mm -mm. either. Mm -mm -mm. But like her, I'm a trusting pushover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Missouri assures her that all these violations of privacy and security will end by the time she and the kids get back from their movie. <laughs> Which... Is not true. Um, they don't know that. But even so, I know we're invading your house right now, but it's for good reasons, and we'll be done by the time you get back. And we won't violate your home anymore. Yeah. Also, when Dean is making these hex bags, do you think it was Dean or Jensen Ackles that was tasting the hex bag ingredients? <laughs> Dean. That is, that is <laughs> Dean all the way. <laughs> Can I eat this? Mm, no, 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 nope. cannot eat. <laughs> Don't like that. Don't like that. <laughs> um, Sam chooses the first section of wall to punch a hole in. And did anybody tell Jenny about this part? No. Mm -mm. Jenny. Nobody told Jenny that they would be punching holes in the drywall. Nope. As he tappy taps, we <laughs> see a lamp unplug and the cord of which slithers its way towards him. Mm -hmm. uh, downstairs, we see... Dean, as he chooses a section of wall, he gets attacked by sentient knives before he can place his hex bag. Um, I like how he upends the table just as more knives come at him. He's a quick thinker, that Dean. Okay. He sure is. He's bonafide. He's bonafide. He's a suitor. He's a suitor. <laughs> He's a Daffer Dan man. <laughs> Goddamn paraphernalias. <laughs> um, in the basement, Missouri finds a hole pre-made for her. How handy. Lucky. Lucky. Tosses the bag in, but then gets pinned to the wall by a bumper car dresser. Sam is strangled by the lamp cord, unable to place his hex bag. Dean tries to pull the cord away, but he is not stronger than a poltergeist. So he kicks a hole in the wall to try and place a hex bag, and as he does, a very bright white light explodes out of the house. Sam can breathe again, so yay, I guess. In my notes, I put Sam zero, electric cord one. Yeah, so Missouri placed a hex bag. I'm guessing Dean placed two hex bags already because we saw him in the kitchen with two hex bags and apparently he survived the knives. Don't know where that other hex bag went. And then he places this hex bag. So Dean did three hex bags. Missouri did one. Sam did zero. All Sam did was lay back and get <laughs> choked. So really, who is the MVP of this episode? Dean. Yeah. and But really, we only see two hex bags get placed. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where that bright white light came from, because... Um, the way Dean holds Sam is reminiscent of the end of season two. 
Okay. All right. Good call. Good call. Well done. Well Well done. Dean not being stronger than a poltergeist. (laughs) Sam is stronger than a ghost. He's stronger than a a baby ghost. Stronger than a baby ghost. Good (laughs) correction. Baby ghostinator. (laughs) We're going to have a scale of varying strengths. (laughs) (laughs) Now that all the hex bags have been placed... They reconvene at poor Jenny's trashed kitchen. Yeah. Missouri is like, yep, we got it. We're done. Sam is a little more dubious about this being finished. Probably because they only placed two hex bags that we saw. And probably because (laughs) Missouri is a little bad at her job if she thinks they're done. Jenny gets home and is surprisingly chill that, oh, I left you alone in my house and this is what you did with it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sam says they'll pay for it, and Dean gives him a what-the-hell look. Missouri then says, oh, Dean's going to clean this mess. And Dean gives an even more what-the-hell look. Yeah, I'm starting to see, like... (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't say the boys will clean this mess. She says Dean is going to clean this mess. Well, I go... And not we. Not Mm -hmm. we. Him. Just him. Him alone. Mm -hmm. He will do it. Yep. Yep. And what are she and Sam going to do in the meantime? Just go off and have a little cup of tea and... She'll just coddle him and say, oh, poor baby Sam. Oh, you with your psychic powers, you are my favorite. <laughs> <sighs> um, she, she tells him to get the mop, and that kind of irked me because I, I do a lot of cleaning at my job, and you got to sweep before you mop. I'm sorry, you got yeah. to. She should have said, go get the trash bags. <laughs> yeah, and and... And Dean cussed at her in his head. I would, too. If I was being told to clean up that huge kitchen mess all by myself, what is she going to do about all the drywall? Is she going to make him, like, go buy some plaster of Paris and fix those up, too? Oh, don't worry, Jenny. Dean's going to plaster your walls for you because Dean is the one who punched all these holes. Me? I didn't punch any holes. I just found a hole that was already made down in the basement, so, hmm. Well... The one in the kitchen, you could just, like, put a toaster or a blender in front of that hole. And then, you know. like, you could put, like, a painting in front of another one. <laughs> a painting right next to the outlet on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> to cover the hole because we're too lazy to go get some plaster. This is our low painting. And maybe it was just me, but the way Missouri told Dean to clean it up it was almost like this lazy boy dean who never does any work she is psychic she apparently knows what they looked like as children does she not then know how hard dean worked in his childhood (sighs) i don't know oh and mr disrespectful dean who would think about putting his feet up on a coffee table is the one who rushes to help missouri down the stairs while sam just drags behind oh (sighs) sweet baby dean Sweet baby Dean, giving such a hard time. Not that Sam isn't sweet. I'm just, I feel like, especially in these early seasons, he doesn't get the love and respect his character deserves. That's all I'm saying. Very true. Very true. All right. Also, in these early seasons, I feel like Mr. Jared Padalecki was still working on his acting skills, mm-hmm. whereas Mr. Eccles is a little more advanced at this part point in their lives. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jensen. Oh, you're on a first name basis. I see. Uh, Jens- Mr. Jensen Ackles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sir Jensen Ackles. <laughs> Commander. Captain. Um, Master. Master Jensen. <laughs> Honorable. Your Majesty. 
Your the Honorable Jensen Ackles. The Honorable Jensen Ackles had had quite a few more roles um, before this character, and not. So- I'm shutting up. <sighs> you know far too much about these actors. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, uh. Well, like, go go watch the movie Ten Inch Hero. I it's have, ten- actually. Oh, okay. Well, it's got him and his wife in it. It's great. Anyway. It was an okay movie. Yeah, I, I, I like, he was, he was great. I like him. Um, uh, oh, Hannah, your fan is showing. Uh, later that night, uh, Jenny is going to sleep when her bed starts a-rockin'. Camera pans outside for us to see Sam insisting they still keep an eye on the house. Dean is grumpy, but Sam sees exactly the vision from his dream. They run inside, Dean telling Sam to get the kids and he'll get Jenny. Jenny, meanwhile, seems to be locked in her room while the fiery figure shows back up in Sari's room. Dean leads her out and they watch the door for Sam to come with her kids. Sam gets the boy, then the girl, and is carrying them out when I guess he senses something because he tells Sari to get her brother out just as he is dragged back down that hallway by an invisible force. Sari and Richie get to safety, telling Dean that Sam was captured. Now, my notes on this. Mm-hmm. It's a very um, important part of the scene. <laughs> uh, Sam has a feeling, so we know it's not over. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dream come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to make note of when Dean was good with kids. Not in this episode. Not in this episode. Take your brother outside as fast as you can. Don't look back. Mm-hmm. That's from episode one. Mm-hmm. Just like episode one. Because Sam is more like John than Dean will ever be. It's true. It is true. Very true. Dean armors up to head into the fray. There is now a crowd outside the house. I don't know (laughs) why. And they're all very chill of just watching this madman with an axe run up to chop down a door of a house that is quiet. (laughs) Man, that front door, though. That front door. You see how many times he's chopping at it. Like, I want a front door like that. It's a solid front door. Front doors, though, are are made to be sturdy, yes. He would have gotten in a lot faster if he hadn't tried to chop down both the top and the bottom. Mm. Yeah. He should have just focus fired. Anyways, while he's chopping down the door, Sam is just getting thrown around the house (laughs) willy-nilly. Just back and forth. Ping, 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 ping. Yeah. He does finally stop against a wall. As he sees a fiery figure approach. I'm guessing the poltergeist stopped treating him like a beanbag because the fiery figure arrives. And the poltergeist is like, oh shit, I'm holding your son here. I'm scared now. I'll stop moving. Maybe if I don't move, she won't see me. If I close my eyes, I'm invisible and she won't see me. I can't see you, so you can't see me. Oh, this poltergeist is built of children. This is a bunch (laughs) of dead children in one poltergeist. (laughs) Wow. Dean runs in and is about to shoot when Sam says, Stop! Because the fiery figure is. is their mom's ghost. Dun dun dun. Yeah. She says hi to her boys. And then she tells Sam she's sorry, probably because she's the whole reason he's cursed with demon blood, and she will be the reason that both of her sons oh. spend time in hell. Not that she knows that oh. yet. But she gets lots of reasons to be sorry. She gets to be a protective mommy one last time. One last flame on! And she torches that poltergeist unto death. Bye-bye, Man. dead children. Man, the way they look at her. <laughs> the way they look at her. My heart. Well, I guess I don't understand because I don't have a dead mother. Well, 
I mean, yeah, 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 but the, I'm very empathic. I feel for my boys. Yeah, I think I just wasn't in love with the emotion of this episode. I don't know. I think maybe I was just too caught up in all the maltreatment Dean receives. <laughs> Dean didn't actually see his mother die, so why is he sad? Boo-hoo. <laughs> Also, Mary, canonically, has been in this house the whole time. What was John doing? Yeah. John should have just pulled out the Ouija board. Mary, what killed you? <laughs> she comes back, A-Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have solved so much so quickly. Mm -hmm. And what do you think Ghost Mary has been doing these last 20-odd years with her undead life? I don't know. What kind of hauntings does Ghost Mary get up to? Uh, fighting poltergeists, apparently. Fighting poltergeists. All right, all right. Um, Maybe she cooks ghost pancakes? Definitely ghost pancakes. Mm -hmm. Ghost um, pancakes. Do you scaring think she... little girls. Scary little girls. Maybe puppies, too. Let's throw puppies in the mix. Girls and puppies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you think that now that Mary's alive again, she remembers her ghost ears? Maybe, because I know she remembers heaven. Mm-hmm. If you remember heaven, why can't you remember your haunting times? Yeah, I, I would I would say yes, that you remember your haunting times. That's got to be a weird existence for Alive Again Mary. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was a hunter, and then I was dead for a while, and then I was in heaven a while, and now I'm on Earth again, hunting again. Like, what? And my baby boys are now really adults? messed up adults. <laughs> Okay, like, <laughs> like a day ago, I had infants, <laughs> and now I have full-grown boys. Maladjusted, full-grown men, who do not have healthy relationships or lives. Great, great, great. Lovely. Jenny gives Dean the family photos she found in the basement. Sam chats with Missouri, who has done one final sweep of the house. No more ghosts. As far as she knows. Hmm. She thought so last time. Yep. Mary kamikaze the bitch. Missouri says they were both destroyed, but we'll learn later that Mary benefited from this with her one-way ticket to heaven. Sam is sad because he thinks that now his mom is double dead. What the... <laughs> they say their goodbyes and drive off. He, she says, like, oh, her spirit is destroyed, like her soul got eaten up in the flames. And he's like, oh, so my mom doesn't even get to go to heaven. She just straight up doesn't exist anymore. It's all my fault. Yeah, she's double dead. Also, this is the only time we see Sam have this kind of psychic sensitivity, I think. I think. Like, he's able to sense ghosts. Maybe he's only able to sense this ghost because it's his mom. But I think that the reason why he was connected to this case is because this is where it started. And his, like, when he dreamt of Jess, that was... The first little sprinkling of power and like he's growing stronger and that's the reason of the poltergeist. And well, the... didn't his power start because he turned a certain age? Yeah, that's when he started to dream. Yeah. And it's kind of unlucky for him that right as soon as he starts dreaming, that's when shit starts going bad for him. Yeah. Can you imagine his life, his dreams in childhood? I saw I got an F on this test. Oh, no. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. I don't trust Missouri when she says that the house is clear. I don't trust Missouri when she says, I don't know. I just don't trust Missouri now. It's hard to trust somebody when they're like, I'm lying to you right now, but please trust me. Yeah. She's like, 
now it's over. For the house, yeah, but it's only beginning for Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Missouri goes back home talking to herself about Sam, but then we see she isn't talking to herself because John is there in her sitting room and apparently has already been filled in on everything that has happened. Can you imagine that cell phone call on the, her driving back? John, you just wouldn't believe what happened. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you should be so proud of them, boys. Uh, Missouri chastises John for being so distant from his kids. He apparently wants to be with his kids, but he can't until he knows the truth. Dun-dun-dun. And here he is, the man himself. I remember being all WTF at this scene, so mysterious. But now, no, I'm still like WTF because he could have been with them. So, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this because later... Next season, I think, we get that message from John to Dean that says, you might have to kill your brother, Mm -hmm. right? I'm wondering if John is far enough in his research, and this is where I would say that, yes, John does now know what killed Mary. I would would think so. And he knows the Yellow-Eyed Demon's plot, at least abstractly, and he's trying to find out what the demon did to Sam mm-hmm. and whether or not Sam is evil and maybe needs to be killed. Because finding out that your son will start the apocalypse unless you kill him is probably a hard thing to handle. And maybe he needs to figure out if Sam needs to die or not before he goes and interacts with his kids again. Because say he's been spending all this time with Sam and Dean and he finds out, oh shit, Sam does have to die, but now I'm too close to my children to do what needs to be done. So maybe he's keeping his distance until he knows whether or not Sam has to die. Keeping his distance in case he has to kill his own son. Mm-hmm. And then once he finds out, oh, Sam's clear, it's fine, he will go and... Be like, oh, my boys, I love you so much. Let's go fishing. (gasps) But he can't do that now because maybe he has to kill his child. And I think this moment for all the the emotional feels of he really does love his babies also is a huge indicator that he is a hunter first and a father second, which I think is tragic and sad, not for him, but for Sam and Dean because... I'm sad for all of them. But I I think it's more unfair to Dean and Sam because they didn't have a choice in that. Mm -mm. And they deserve to have a father first. Yeah. So. Yeah, John John definitely made that choice. Like, he lost his wife and he couldn't see anything else but that. Mm hmm. Which I think is his fatal flaw as a character. Yes. Emphasis on fatal. He will die because of this. Yep. It's, It's a classic case of someone being far too focused on revenge and if they had just been focused on love and family first things would have turned out okay yeah i know this because i watch a lot of abc and disney shows (laughs) (sighs) so um real quick this is an episode where nobody died oh my god good job boys unless that plumber catches an infection sepsis sets in and he dies Mm. yep Possibly no deaths in this episode. Possibly no deaths. And you know what? Sam and Dean never did follow up with that plumber. I don't think they even knew anything happened to the plumber. (laughs) I don't think Jenny ever told them about the plumber. Yeah, I don't think they knew about him either. (laughs) Again, their investigating skills were only nine episodes in. It's a little rusty. A little lackluster. Yeah. Um, And why do we never see Missouri again? 
So Hannah, according to my IMDb sources, yeah. I, which I grilled for hours, yeah. <laughs> she was supposed to be their Bobby. Aww. Yeah, she was going to, we weren't going to have Bobby, we are going to have Missouri Mosley the whole time. However, Loretta Devine, mm-hmm. believe how you say her name, Devine, Miss Loretta landed a recurring gig on Grey's Anatomy, which is arguably a more mainstream show, probably better paying. <laughs> And so the role was recreated as Bobby. I don't know. We wouldn't want to, you wouldn't have wanted to miss out on Bobby, right? Right. Definitely. Definitely. I, I would have liked some more Missouri mostly, mm-hmm. but I definitely can't do without Bobby. It makes me want to go back and watch the episode where she comes back in season 13 and see if they have, I want to say. No, it would have been uh, 11 or 12. Okay. But I want to say there's a throwaway line where they say, it's like, oh, Missouri's calling again. Or, oh, I heard from Missouri. Like, in a manner that speaks of, we've kept in touch. Yeah, which is nice. It is very nice. All right. Hannah. Kendall. Let's go talk about them themes. Mm. Themes. Those dank themes. (laughs) Wow, really? (laughs) Wow, okay. I'm I'm so witty. I'm so witty. So I'm so witty. So cool. I'm so witty. I'm so witty and pretty and light. Thought you were gonna say gay, and I've been like, yeah. Is that the line? Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm hella gay, but hella. I'm hella. <laughs> when you're surrounded by darkness. Okay, I got some themes. Flying objects is a theme. Ooh, especially flying boys. Yeah, um, I have boys as ragdolls as a theme. Yep. And yep. lots of ragdolling. Another ghost. So many fucking ghosts. Come on, guys. I mean, technically, it's a poltergeist, which is an amalgamation of low-level spirits. But Mary's still. a ghost. Mary's a straight-up ghost. We got yeah, ghosts. Yeah, but they didn't do anything about her. And technically, they didn't do anything about the poltergeist. They half did something about the poltergeist. <sighs> well, technically, they didn't do anything about the woman in white, and they didn't do anything about the dead baby ghost. Mary solved this one. Yeah. <laughs> Mary solved this one. The boys didn't. Missouri certainly didn't really help. That Those hex bags did nothing. She needs yeah. to get updated on her Wicca lore. Definitely. We have our first mention of Crossroad Dirt. Yes, Crossroads. I noticed that. Yep. And I guess this might be our second mention because we also had hellhounds obliquely referred to as black dogs uh, earlier. Yeah. Once again, innocence, learn about supernatural things, maybe? I'm still not sold that Jenny doesn't believe that she just let a bunch of crazy people into her life for a couple days. Who busted up her front door, <laughs> who put holes in her, at least three of her walls, if we're to believe that all three other hex bags were placed outside the basement and who trashed her kitchen but possibly paid for it and definitely cleaned it and that a plumber just got mangled in her (laughs) kitchen i mean i'm I'm sure that you know with her bed rocking and being locked in her own room 
No, before that, when they left the first time, yeah, she was probably like, man, these people are crazy. But then, I think, I think now she's a little more on board. Like, I think those people may have saved my life. I think if my bed were rocking like that, I would think a prank was being pulled on me. Like, why doesn't she just think this is a big, elaborate prank? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think very critically. I would have been very scared, and I wouldn't think it was a prank. I would just be like, something, something's happening right now. Something. Where did that crowd outside come from? I, I don't know. I don't Has know. Has she been talking to her neighbors about all of this? And she's like, guys, come in. More spooky shit's happening. <laughs> come watch. <laughs> uh, we have our Psychic Sam. This is our second reference to Psychic Sam, I think. Because our first yeah. was bloody... Ooh. Our first was Baby Mary. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it close there. <laughs> we didn't get any Dean being good with kids in this episode. Even though there no. were... Two children here. That's twice as many kids as we've had before. Yeah, like ever. <laughs> and no, I, I had an eye out for it, but no, Sam was all soft voice. Sam was the one who went in for the kids. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, surprisingly, I didn't see any like inappropriate flirting between Jenny and Dean. Maybe not so surprisingly because he was so emotional about this case. Again, they were not playing Dean as the character we've known so far. It was more close to the Dean he comes to be. Yeah. I guess it can be argued that when it comes to mom and dad and family, Dean is all cards on the table emotionally. Because in Bugs, with all the -the over-the-top arguing about relationships with dad, Dean still cut conversations off, but at least he was kind of being emotionally honest in that episode, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Winchester's in Cars? Dean comes by at Honest. His dad owned a car shop. Dean goes on to know how to build a car from scratch, pretty much. Yeah. I will say this show gave me, for a couple of years, the pipe dream of going and buying a busted up old Mustang and rebuilding it from scratch. Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, more tower to you. Pipe, pipe dream. Pipe dream. And it died because I can put air in my tires, I can change a tire, and I can refill my oil. <laughs> Yeah, same. That is that is the extent of it. I mentioned John's journal earlier and how we do see it in later years. Should we be tracking the journal as a theme? They refer to it in The Woman in White. I mm-hmm. think they refer to it in Wendigo, which I can say now. Haha. Yes. Uh, they referred to it this episode, kind of. Is that it? No. They didn't use it in the demon episode. Phantom Traveler. They had to. But we didn't see it. Unless, did we see Sam flipping through the journal at Latin yeah. uh, exorcisms? Okay, fine. They got their very bad demon lore out of <laughs> John's <laughs> journal. Yeah. So, I mean, about half the episode so far. I'm just thinking maybe it's a, a gentle theme. A low-key theme. Look around you. It's a beautiful life. Hannah. Yes. What did you love and what did you hate? We're going to start on hate and end in love, right? Of course. Let's always end on the positives. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we love this show. We do love this show. Yeah. So much. I hated the mother letting strangers into her home while her children were there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, honestly, honestly, honestly. I'm not a mother and I don't let strangers in my home. (laughs) Right? Okay. So... 
here's the scenario, right? She just moved in this house. A couple dudes show up. They're like, hey, we used to live here and wanted to see the place. I would have said, let me get these photos for you. Wait right here. Go get the photos. Give them to them and say, let's schedule a time. Come back tomorrow at 10. My son will be at daycare. My daughter will be at school. That would be a perfect mm -hmm. time for you to come by. Well, Hannah, it's because you're not in an episode of a TV show where... Things need also, to that's not what I would really do. I would have let them in too because I am trusting. But you also don't have kids. I feel oh, yeah. as though if you were a mother. Because so, I've noticed, at least in myself, that when it comes to protecting myself, eh, it's kind of up in the air. But when it comes to protecting other people, yes, oh, no. definitely. Yeah, you don't fuck with the people in my life. Me? Yeah, whatever. Uh, that was my hate too. My biggest hate was not just this episode, but. So far in this season, we have seen at least two single mothers who have been written as overly trusting and really ineffectual protectors of their children. Yeah, not cool. It's really not cool. Single mothers are awesome and very protective of their children. Definitely. So seeing these single mothers being written so insultingly, it's, it's bad enough that it happens once. But it's horrible that it's happened twice in the first 10 episodes. Although I will say this show has a very bad track record of its With treatment women. of women as a whole. Yeah. Which, um, hey, that will be one of our themes. So <laughs> <laughs> let's just start it here. In our love and hate section, let's one last theme. Single mothers and women in general being horribly written and... <laughs> Poor treatment and characterization of women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, I didn't like so much the Dean bashing in this episode, which I already mentioned. I hated John. <laughs> Just seeing him there, and I'm like, you're <laughs> right there. Your boys were right there. Dean called you crying. You were right there. Ugh, so mad at him. I have to say, though, Dean called him crying, and he did show up. He wasn't going to let his boys get hurt when he knows oh shit, my boys are really close to the scene of the crime where there was a demon. I think John showed up, not just because Dean was crying and saying, I need you, but also because John sees his boys getting a little too close to this the case truth. he's following that he knows. Not, not the truth, but the case that he's following that he knows is dangerous, heaven and hell dangerous. And he wants to be kind of like on call in case shit gets real and so he can be there to protect his sons and, you know, possibly kill Sam. So We're all in danger. Be very careful. We're all in danger. What did you love, Hannah? Tell me. I really loved Sam and Dean's emotional scenes. Uh, the one thing I was like, meh. <laughs> I, I know you didn't like it, but, you know, when Sam is convincing Dean to go back and when they're leaving the house for the first time and when they see their mother man i love my boys i will say that when dean is pushing sam to like no tell me the truth you've been hiding and distracted and not telling me the full story this whole time this time i'm putting my foot down and you will tell me where i'm not going I thought that was a good step to take because Sam hasn't been talking to Dean and Dean has been trusting Sam. Mm -hmm. And now that Sam comes out of nowhere, it's like, oh yeah, because of reasons that I haven't been telling you this whole time, we need to go here now. And I, I, I did enjoy that conversation. And Dean's first encounter with, oh, my brother really is showing supernatural tendencies and I've been taught to fear everything supernatural my whole life. Should I now 
fear this ability in my brother and what does it mean? And Yeah, when, when he sits down and he's just like, I don't know. And he's like, first you tell me this and then you tell me this? Like, yeah. Love that. And we'll see that in the future from Dean of Dean struggling to deal with the fact that his brother is something that he's been raised to hunt. Mm-hmm. I think the themes are where this show is good. <laughs> right? I, I think... The threads that tie the episodes together are what make people love this show. The women bashing and the bad communication and the emotional damage is what makes people hate the show. (laughs) But... (laughs) Man, I just love this show so much. I know, I know. This episode, you know, got to me, like, emotionally. And I know you hated the emotions in it, but for me it meant a lot. I didn't hate the emotions, I just felt like... Put off? No, they weren't. They weren't written consistently with all the other episodes we've seen thus far. Yeah, it was like we've been walking along a pool with Dean, and then suddenly someone just pushed Dean into the pool. And we're like, oh, I thought we were going to dip our toes in first. But (laughs) no, he's just drowning in the deep end over there. Why is he drowning? I know he can swim. I I, What? I do love Missouri mostly. I love, she's kind of typecast as this no-nonsense actress, but she's so fucking good at it. Why not? Yeah. And I enjoyed the way they were building her character up to have a grander story. Mm -hmm. The things that bothered me in this episode probably wouldn't have bothered me if we had gotten to see her whole story play out. In, the, in yeah. an alternate timeline, I would be making this podcast with you saying, oh, and did you see where she was lying here? And that really plays into a future episode where this thing happens. And, oh, and you see how she's like super bashing on Dean here, but in later episode, they have this heart to heart and she's like, oh, I was only giving you a hard time this whole time because I saw the true potential in you. Yeah, yeah, I get that. The things that we... The things that, I don't know about we, I can't talk, speak for you, but the things that I didn't like about her character in this episode, I can see where they were supposed to build into a character that I would ultimately full-on adore like Bobby. So yeah. I do love the character of Missouri, and I just wish we could have gotten to see her play out. And the, my other minor love, because we are tracking families, right? Mm-hmm. I did love how we get to know the story of Jenny's family without the episode ever being about her and her family because this episode was supposed to end succeeded in being focused on the Winchester family and the story of their tragedy. Mm-hmm. But you still got to learn that, you know, Jenny's husband and Sari and Richie's dad died and they've moved to this new place and they're making a new start and the girl's having a hard time transitioning, especially since there's like a monster in her closet and Richie lives in a cage and just is like a juiceaholic. And So in a show where we initially were very upset that, you know, in Wendigo we didn't learn anything about the family mm-hmm. and then I think we're getting better. At learning about families. I think like they did a great job of us learning about the family in Hook. I think we got great insight into the family in Bugs. And we got great insight into this family here. That you don't need to make them a huge part of the narrative in order for us as viewers to understand what this family is all about and what their dynamic is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what are we watching next time? Why... Dear listener, next time is Season 1, Episode 10, Asylum. 
While investigating a haunting in an abandoned asylum and rescuing two teenagers who ventured in, Sam and Dean become trapped with the spirits of those who had died in a riot decades ago, one of which was a doctor who causes extreme rage in his victims. And that summary belongs to Amber Brook from the U.S. according to IMDb.com. I guess I, be, I could be going to Netflix for these summaries, but I don't know, I'm already on the IMDb page. Why not? Yeah. Let some other young aspiring synopses writers out there get some credit. So thank you, Amber Brooke, whomever you are. Yeah, like maybe you're listening now. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Hi, Amber Brooke. <laughs> I hope you don't mind us saying your full name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Granted, there's probably many Ambers of IMDb.com. So. Is that even her real name? Is that even your real name, Amber Brooke? Of IMDb.com? It's her full title. Come on. <laughs> from, from, from the U.S. <laughs> your Grand Majesty, Amber Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Asylum's going to be a good episode. I find it interesting and indulging. indulging. We have more than one Asylum episode? More than one episode that takes place in an Asylum? Yes or no? Is this our only Asylum episode? Uh, no, no, I don't think it's our only Asylum episode, but I can't think. Because this is the episode with the lobotomy dude, right? Sam gets trapped and he tries to drill a hole in Sam's head and he takes over people's minds via electricity or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some reason, I felt like this episode happened like season two or three. I would have never said, oh yeah, that's a season one episode. Totes. Totes McGill. I mean, it's, it's a good episode. It is a good episode. I I seem to remember. Like it's a uh, the teenagers that they save really like the girl. She was cool. She's the tough one, and the boy's a scaredy cat, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm remembering more and more about this. I I swear I've only seen this show once. Why do I remember so much about it? I have a bizarre memory for Supernatural, considering I've seen the show all once, all the way through. I have a bizarre memory for Supernatural, but I've kind of like. Uh, ironed it into my brain Mm. no (laughs) wrinkles in the supernatural portion (laughs) yeah i'm i'm looking forward to asylum and i'm now wondering if i think it happens in a later season because there's like ghost facers is not ghost facers was not an asylum that was a haunted house (sighs) i don't know i don't know all right well we'll just have to keep watching this show and find out five years from now right 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 All right, Hannah, anything else you want to talk about with this episode? No. All right, then let's close this bitch up. (laughs) Uh, If you would like to contact me, you can do so at Tumblr, Jailbreak Fiend. That's J-A-I-L-B-R-E-A-K-F-I-E-N-D. And also Everything Overlord. On Tumblr. That's my Misha blog. Oh, the Misha. She's, she's definitely on a first-name basis with Misha. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Collins, if you're nasty. His real name is Dimitri. Oh, you're on a super first-name basis. Dimitri Tippins Christmas. Oh my gosh, you are such a supernatural nerd. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at Kindle Abroad. You can also find me on Instagram now at Kindle Kindle Kindle. K-I-N-D-L-E Three times Oh, my Instagram is the same as my Tumblr The Jailbreak Fiend Yeah, same deal 
same deal. And where can they reach us if they want to speak to us both at the same time? That would be sisterstalkbrothers at gmail.com. And we love our damn feedbacks. The good, the bad, the ugly. We love every message you guys send us. Which, considering we're pre-recording all of this, is... (laughs) I'm hopeful here, okay? I'm I'm very hopeful. (laughs) The first few are going to be like, you know that the quality of your first few episodes sucks. And we're like, yes, we know. We're learning, we're growing, and we refuse to go back and (laughs) re-record. We're not experts. We're We're just sisters. sisters. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so tune in next week for... More monsters. More brothers. And more of those real-ass sisters. What? So real. So real. In your face. Ghost faces. Faces. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hella the dark older sister of Thor and Loki? Hell. H-E-L. Oh. I'm also hella gay for hell. (laughs) 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 I'm so funny. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Loki theme. (laughs) (laughs) A Loki theme. A poltergeist is kind of like a Voltron. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One spirit's the leg and one spirit's an arm. (laughs) This one controls spoons. This one controls electrical cords. Okay. This one controls. Uh, this one levitates knives. <laughs> McGur. McGur. McGurry. McGurry. McGurry.